You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 1308 of the Locked On Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland, coming to you on a Sunday evening, September 11th, 2022. And thank you for joining us on the podcast. As always, make us your first listen each and every day. Check us out across platforms on the podcast side. That includes Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, as well as YouTube for the video viewers among us. And uh, once again, we are back to t- touch on the Atlanta Hawks offseason and the latest news and mailbag questions, etc. on the show. If you're a new listener, welcome aboard. Training camp is nearing for the Hawks less than two weeks away. Less than two weeks away from training camp, less than four weeks away from the Hawks actually opening up with, a, with an actual game of sorts preseason-wise, and then the season will begin in about a month from now when it comes to regular season action. So plenty to get to on the podcast today. I uh, candidly was going to wait to record for another day or so. I have a guest or two scheduled. Hopefully they'll come through in the next few days on the podcast. But there was some news on Sunday, and anytime you get any kind of news in the uh, NBA space in September, it's usually good to sort of build off that with some podcast stuff. So here we are, not the biggest news in the world, I have to say, but still some actual real live news around the Hawks. That happened on Sunday afternoon with the announcement of Shondi Brown being waived by the Hawks. Shondi was on a two-way contract with the Hawks. I heard this was coming down a few minutes before, actually, which was actually happening hilariously right in the middle of the Atlanta Falcons collapsing in Atlanta Falcons fashion. My apologies to Aaron Freeman, who hosts the Lost on Falcons podcast. I've been on that show before. Uh, I am still a diehard uh, kind of crazed Atlanta Falcons fan. So that was not a whole lot of fun for all of us that like the Falcons. But um, from there, the Hawks then announced this after I'd already heard it was coming down, that they were waving Shawnee Brown. Definitely a mild surprise. Not a huge surprise, but still certainly a mild one along the way. Um, there are some factors to consider anytime they uh, – move like this is made from the team side and given the timing, et cetera. For one, this is one where Shawnee was actually signed to a multi-year two-way contract in early April of last season. So this is not a situation where he was signed this offseason and then also cut before training camp. That would be even weirder. Um, this time around, they already had Shawnee under contract for the two-way. So it's not like they just like decided now to move on from him after signing him already. That's also just notable. He also played summer league and was fine for sure. I've always kind of liked Shawnee's game, but he was not like he is fantastic in summer league didn't blow everybody away in that setting he also could have an opportunity elsewhere uh, the hawks have been pretty good I, I don't i'm not saying this is definitely happening but the hawks have been pretty good about letting guys kind of go elsewhere when, when the role was small in atlanta maybe for a, a, a different option somewhere else that at least could be part of the calculus here not sure if that's the case or not i do believe that sean is a pretty useful player to have around i like him to be sure for michigan guy uh, former way forest guy etc um also a fairly limited player though he's like a six five power forward in a lot of ways, he played some wing at summer league and he is uh, definitely capable of defending wings, but offensively, he's a very limited player. If you're playing him on the wing ball handling wise, just not a whole lot of dynamic play there with the ball in his hands and offensively in general, at the NBA level, he kind of has to make shots. He's a very low usage player. Someone that coaches are pretty supposed to like, I know Nate Miller really liked John Brown last year. He's a really good hard nosed defender. He plays hard, knows what to do, um, set screens, etc. But, all that said, he's not this guy who's gonna like you're gonna like have a huge regret about necessarily unless he kind of breaks out as a shooter. So I do like Shondi. It wasn't like a crazy situation though to move on from him at this point in time. So there's that. 
And basically the question everybody was asking is why do this now? And right now as I record this on Sunday evening, I don't know the answer to be sure at this point. Uh, I will give you some options as to what the Hawks might be doing at this stage, but it's a little bit interesting timing wise. Normally, if you wanted to bring somebody in now, that would be kind of the reason why maybe you like somebody outside, outside the organization. But other than that, the timing is curious with training camp opening again in less than two weeks from today. But there are basically three options. Um, I do know this right now. Uh, the Hawks have an open two-way slot. So as I record this, Trent Forrest is in the other two-way slot who they signed this summer. But right now they have an open two-way contract if they want to use that slot. There are three options. Number one, they don't have to carry two two-way players. Um, most teams do. And really, it would be kind of crazy not to, in my estimation. It doesn't really count against the cap at all. There's no reason at all we did not have a guy to two-way contract. So they could leave it open technically, but I'd be pretty surprised by that. There's no reason to do really do that. So I'm going to kind of mostly cross that one off as an option, but at least it's at least it's plausible, not likely in my mind. Number two, the Hawks could have a plan to sign someone else from an organization or somewhere else that was a free agent, et cetera, um, that they want to maybe use, that, maybe use that, that two-way contract on, and that could be coming down in the near future. As of now, it's been a few hours. Nothing's really bubbled to the surface at this point in time. I've been asking around. No full intel at this moment in time. That's at least a possibility to explain why they've moved on from Shawnee now. Um, number three, and maybe this is the one that everyone was asking me about today, that the Hawks currently have two players on Exhibit 10 contracts in Chris Silva and Tyson Etienne. I know there's a huge fan base for Etienne after Summer League. He had that one huge uh, half in Summer League. Um, kind of, he's got the guy that people were asking me about the most today. But those, those contracts for both Silva and Etienne, allow the Hawks to convert either of them to a two-way if they want to. Again, if they want to, they are able to do that kind of unilaterally, just convert those guys to a two-way contract and go from there. Uh, Etienne and Silva are very different players. Etienne is kind of a smaller scoring guard, combo guard type. Had that, again, that one big half in Las Vegas. wasn't like fantastic there, but had that that one bright spot that got a lot of attention. Um, Silva, much more of a defense-first combo forward with a lot of offensive questions very limited offensive player but he's been he's definitely the more proven player been in the nba now for a while played three different teams in the nba played with the heat for a while defensively a lot lower ceiling option but a much better defender more big physical and again more experienced a little bit older than etienne so for now i'm in wait and see mode on this to be sure i don't know the answers at this moment in time but as of record was on sunday night the hawks do have a two-way slot open and a full contract slot still open they have 14 guys under contract for guaranteed deals plus one two-way in trent forest and then two more guys on camp deals in sylvan etienne so that's 17 players overall teams can take up to 20 to training camp on under all those contracts basically can only have 15 guys under full contracts when the season begins up to 20 on your roster, expanded roster, I should say, heading into training camp. Hawks right now have 17. If they were to fill the two-way slot, that'd be 18. They could sign more exhibit 10 guys, et cetera. So we'll see. But right now, as of September 11th, they are going to have one slot open on the two-way line. And that, that's pretty interesting stuff at this point. Um, all right. From there, the rest of the mailbags, the rest of the question I should say is uh, mailbag driven. So we'll dive in. But that's kind of the one piece of news. And that we covered that as a whole here. And again, I'll be rooting for Shani Brown. I do like Shani Brown quite a bit. Um, anyway. From there, uh, first question that we'll tackle today is from Evander, who says, did you have any reaction to the Zach Lowe podcast with Kevin Pelton from ESPN? They seemed a little bit higher on the Hawks than some other people that have been nationally. Thank you for the question, for sure, as always, to Evander. Um, just for some highlights here, I did listen to this. Nothing hugely newsworthy, but I'll touch on one thing later on that's kind of newsy. Um, Pelton actually had the Hawks unofficially. He's, he just stressed that it was kind of early in the process for him. But he has the Hawks as a top five team in the East with a high 40s, quote unquote, win total. That's pretty good. Obviously, Pelton usually um, 
the projections usually kind of bring teams to the middle. So not a huge surprise there, but he he seems to like them. But based on that comments, um, by the way, again, this is the, this is on the low post for ESPN. If you're listening to this podcast, um, both guys, Low and Pelton, are pretty high on Okongwu. Pretty clearly, I agree with that sentiment. Obviously, overall, Okongwu is a really really fun player, really really high talent player, huge upside for the future. I think there's kind of a rush to kind of shovel dirt on a, on a Capella in some circles in kind of a misplaced way, and I think he's still really good. But that does not take away from Okongwu. Okongwu is a guy that I have loved for a long long time. He should be a lot better this year coming back. And I've said this before, I'll say it again now. It's huge for Conway to have an offseason where he is healthy to do skill development work, et cetera. It's going to be awesome to see him come back. And I have high expectations for Conway this season. They talked about Hunter being the kind of the pivot guy on the roster, which is, I think, pretty obvious, but still worth noting. And I think I agree with that 100%. I've been saying that for a while. I was encouraged to hear that acknowledgement. And for what it's worth, there was a similar discussion on the Real GM radio podcast with Daniel LaRue and Mike Prada and, and Nikias Duncan this weekend where they talked about how important that is as well. Hunter is just a very obvious swing player for the Hawks on offense and defense, especially on defense. But especially on you know, offense, he's very interesting as well. Is one of those like third creators that they kind of need to make the leap happen across the board. The only newsworthy part of that low post podcast for the Hawks was Zach Lowe saying the following. Um, and I quote, you look at the roster, and it, and it is 100% likelihood they will make a tax duck trade at some point this season. It just depends on who it is and what, if anything, comes back. End quote. That was again from Zach Lowe. That sounds familiar. It's something I've been saying for quite some time. I would never say 100% until it actually happens, but uh, I agree with Zach's sentiment. I have been forecasting for quite a while on this podcast that the Hawks would not pay the tax this year. And right now they are currently in the tax. They're going to have to get under there somehow. The obvious move would be Mo Harkless. He's the guy who makes a little bit a little bit of money who could actually get out of the tax a little bit. They can't they, they can't just like move on from Aaron Holiday or Frank Kaminsky. Those guys are too cheap to go ahead and do that. But um, I think everyone that I have talked to will, will be pretty surprised if the Hawks are paying the tax this year, unless if they if they come out to an awesome start and they see themselves as a title contender this year, maybe they make a trade to go out and buy. But alas, there we go. I think uh, that's worth passing on. Zach Lowe has good sources. So him saying that the Hawks are going to be making that trade again under the tax is notable, even if not surprising, if you listen to this podcast for quite some time. Okay, next question on the podcast is going to be about some of the mainstream analysis from the Hawks, as well as later on, we'll talk about their defense, uh, a little bit on uh, on Trey Young's defense, DeLon Wright even later in the podcast. And uh, we'll end the show with Tower Jones, personal favorite, and that is... 2K ratings. So we'll get, on, we'll get to all that stuff later on in the podcast. But first, a word from our sponsors on the show. Today's show is brought to you by Bet Online. Football is here in a big way now, of course. Bet Online is the number one source for all of your pro and college football betting needs and information this season about all the latest developments across football, including game matchups, news, and podcasts. Bet Online that includes all of the content as well that you need for the weekend slates in college and pro football. Bet Online is the continued source for all the wager information that you need across the sports world. That includes live betting. Esports and live scores. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to consume every sport you might be interested in as well. On this show, we talk about the NBA extensively, of course. There are plenty of future stuff out there about the league right now. Their season win totals, conference odds, division odds, title odds, playoff odds, individual award stuff, and more. And beyond the NBA, Bet Online has odds and props and everything else that you want when it comes to baseball, MMA, boxing, golf, tennis, auto racing, horse racing, soccer, entertainment bets, and much more. Head to betonline.net right now on your computer or mobile device to learn more about all the trends and the action across the sports world. BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, a question from I Will So Will on Twitter. 
who says, can you address why all the mainstream guys at ESPN, the ringer, et cetera, are saying the cost for Donovan Mitchell was fine, but the cost for, Don- for DeJounte Murray was too much and that Cleveland will be a top four or six team while the Hawks will be eight to 10. So I've been getting a lot, a lot of these kind of questions recently and I totally get it. I think a lot of the coverage has been fair, but some of it has not been terribly great for the Hawks recently or the Caps even. I did notice sort of a split where I would say the vast majority of coverage on the Mitchell trade was positive for the Cavs. It was a lot more mixed for the Hawks, so I understand there's a little bit of pushback there. A lot of that maybe is the timing of it, and also the fact that people kind of maybe overrate Mitchell, but that's just my opinion. Um, some of it stems from the fact that there's this thing out there about Cleveland having, quote, four All-Stars, end quote, which I don't really agree with as a sentiment. Obviously, they did have All-Stars last year in Garland and Jared Allen, plus Mitchell. Evan Mobley is potentially a future all-star, but he's not quite gotten there just yet. Um, I do love Evan Mobley, but I think right now today, uh, he's probably not as good as people might think that he is, again, right now today. Future facing, I'm all in on Evan Mobley. I've always liked Evan Mobley quite a bit, uh, so I, I buy it. But like in terms of like right now, today, as a 19, 20-year-old, whatever he is, um, I think that's probably a little bit overrated at this very moment. And then also Jared Allen is really good, but I think Jared Allen is not a guy that I think is going to be a perennial all-star. I think Jared Allen is like a top 10 center, a good player, but like, uh, actually I heard this on Tim, bon- Tim Montemps from the podcast on the show before did an appearance with the Hoop Collective, Brian Winhorst and Tim, Mac- Tim McMahon over the weekend or at the end of last week. And Montemps said something that I agree with. I think he has some pushback for it, but he kind of described like, you know, why is Jared Allen and Click Capella like they're not that much different? Like you could say Allen's better. I wouldn't like argue with you a lot about that. And I know Allen is younger, but like the gap between Allen and Capella is not very big. And I agree with that 100%. That's kind of what he said. But anyway, I think the narrative push is kind of just like a very convenient one. Like Cleveland had a good year last year, where the Hawks kind of took a step back from the year before, etc. And you get to the fact that they're really young um, in a way that the, Ca- the Hawks are still young, but not quite as young in terms of like Garland and Mobley in particular are younger than Trey Young. And, and all the other guys around the Hawks other than even Hunter is a young player in the league, but is not a young player. Like he's a little bit older in his class. And was the only guy that besides Trey, that's like still super young. Obviously you get into Griffin and Johnson. Those guys are, not, are totally unproven picks right now. So anyway, I think for the most part, I don't have the Hawks in it in a tier behind the Cavs. And they're probably in the same tier for me right now. I think the Hawks are the best player on the two teams. Um, that's a nice place to be in. Certainly you might argue that like, if you're a big fan of Garland and Mitchell, that they, they might be two, three versus Murray. That's, that's totally fine. But like, I think Murray is a better player than Jared Allen. For example, I think Capella, um, Capella and Collins are, you know, right up there close to like where Mobley is, et cetera. So like, I don't think that uh, the gap top four wise is as big as you might think. If you factor in, you know, young Murray, Collins Capella versus Garland Mitchell Mobley and Allen I wouldn't like get mad if you if you pick the Cavs but like from there you know the Hawks have guys who I trust a lot more than what the Cavs have outside their top four like I think Bogdanovich is the best player out of the top four on both sides I think that a Kongwu is better than any prospect um, outside of the more established guys like Mobley and Garland that the Cavs have at this point in time. Like, Akong was better than uh, Isaac Okoro. Um, I think Hunter is a better prospect than Okoro at this point in time. So, like, I kind of get it on all sides. I think that it's very natural that Cleveland would have some buzz right now. Uh, both teams, in terms of, like, the cost, both teams played heavy prices, so it's not a huge deal thing there. But I did argue on the podcast after the Mitchell trade that 
I think the Mitchell trade makes the Murray trade look better for the Hawks. I think the Hawks give up a lot less, at least maybe not a lot, notably less for Murray than the Cavs did for Mitchell. Murray's making less money now. Um, while Mitchell is better than Murray, I do think that the gap is pretty small for me on that one. I think that might be an outlier for me because I'm not a Mitchell guy necessarily. I think he is still better than Murray, but that gap is not huge either. So I can't speak for other people, obviously, but I think the Cavs are good. I think the Cavs are going to be good this year, but they're not like notably better than the Hawks for me. And that, that's maybe the gap between me and some other people that are evaluating this thing. But again, notably, uh, Kevin Pelton, going back to the question before, uh, Pelton had the Hawks ahead of the Cavs. So that's that's notable as well. It's only one system, but I think that you might see a little bit more of that as we get more away from the narrative and into the actual, like the numbers, the projections coming into the season. Um, question from John, who says, how in the world did the Hawks have that, have that bad of a defense last year? It, the way that it felt was every game against subpar teams – one random guy would score 15, 20 points over their average, and we couldn't stop anything in transition. I know there's more to it, but it's baffling that we had the worst defense than teams that were actively tanking or rebuilding last year. Uh, first, I agree with the sentiment, because the Hawks' personnel is not as bad as the defensive numbers were last year. I saw that I talked about a lot during the season. Now, I will say, personnel-wise last year, the Hawks were not great defensively, but they should have been better than they were, which I said a lot during the season. Um, in terms of like how they actually struggled, it was a lot of different things. Uh, number one, I would say, is transition defense. They were terrible last year. They were 29th in the league in points allowed for possession transition. Um, that's per cleaning the glass. Part of that is Gallinari was terrible, and that's notable. He's not going to be there anymore. But Trey's a bad Trey's a bad defender in transition for sure. They're not alone there. Capella is not the most fleet of foot guy changing ends. They have lots of questions and transition stuff, but they shouldn't be 29th in the league. That's bad. Um, also, the Hawks never create turnovers. That is not going to necessarily change a ton. I think Murray will help that for sure. The last two years, the Hawks have been bottom three in the league in turnover creation. That is a tough way to build your defense. Um, again, like I said before, Murray will fix some of that stuff. He's a pretty good habit creator. He's their best playmaker defensively they've had in this era. But Trey and Hunter and Collins in particular, those guys are not going to be huge like habit creators in defense. Hunter is going to be a good defender, but he's not He's not a guy who gets a ton of, a ton of, ton of deflections, a ton of steals. Collins, same thing, kind of more of a solid positional defender. Trey can be pesky, not a huge habit creator. Even the backups, like your Justin Holiday types, more of like a solid guy than he is like a playmaker. So it's going to be a lot of that on Murray. Uh, he'll help that. I think that I think for the most part, they're not going to be the most aggressive team. I would still expect the Hawks to be below average in turnover creation, but hopefully not so bad that they're like bottom three. Um, also last year, they were 24th in the league in EFG allowed, so shooting efficiency basically allowed. And the year before that, they were in the top 10. So two years ago, they're probably a little bit lucky in my mind in terms of like the numbers and how they all bore out. Um, against opponent shooting last year they were unlucky so we'll see where that actually lands go back to the question so i think also the hawks kind of had a weakness against the wings the last couple of years when hunter was unavailable they uh are definitely gonna be relying on hunter quite a bit if hunter has injuries they're not going to have a lot of guys to defend wings like you're talking about bogdanovich there who's not a great defender at this point in time holiday's fine but not like elite by any means aj griffin mohawkless is okay defensively but yeah, they have some questions defensively for sure. I think the talent is much better now than it was before. Um, just minus Gallo is a huge thing, and then adding Murray. Those combination, those combinations are uh, important. I think the Herder is probably not as bad. In fact, I know he's not as bad as people think that he is defensively. But you know, going from Herder to Murray is a huge upgrade. 
on defense. And then just taking Gallo off the team is a huge upgrade defensively. I, I love Gallo, but he's a bad defender at this point in time. So now it's really just Trey that's like a flashing sign of badness defensively. Bogdanovich can be a little bit shaky, but they don't have a ton of like outright weaknesses. I mean, maybe Griffin as a rookie will be that way if he, if, if he plays, but uh, and maybe Kaminsky a little bit when he's out there. But those guys are in smaller roles. Like of the guys who like are definitely in the top eight, it's really just Trey. That's a big weakness. So that's not that's not too bad of a place to be defensively. All right. Next question comes from Itchy. This is a funny one. Um, if the Hawks starting five were facing the Hawks starting five, who would Trey Young guard? That's pretty funny. Um, it's also kind of difficult in some ways. So the options basically are that Trey could guard himself or he could guard Jonte Murray or DeAndre Hunter. He's not going to guard Collins or Capella. So there you go. Um, I think if I was coaching the Hawks against themselves, you would want DeJounte Murray guarding Trey Young, which means that you would have to have Trey defend either Murray or DeAndre Hunter. I would probably start with Young on Hunter and Hunter on Murray, if that makes sense. Defensively, I would say there's definitely a chance that DeAndre Hunter just takes advantage of Trey in a size capacity and uses that advantage over him and make it impossible. But I would try probably to make Hunter beat me versus letting Murray beat me or letting Trey beat me. So that's probably the biggest thing there. If you have to hide Trey somewhere, I would probably try to hide Trey on Hunter. And by the way, most of the time the Hawks do this. The Hawks will stick Trey on a wing if there isn't a place for him to guard on the perimeter um, and just kind of hope that that guy doesn't like torch them. That's going to happen throughout the season. Um, of course, there is maybe the argument, if you want to go really meta here, that Trey guarding himself would work better because he's actually he would have the world's greatest scouting report on his own self. But um, if you don't just assume that is a, a wrinkle of this, I think that uh, Trey doing a good job on himself, if you don't know everything about that, would be tough because Trey's so good on offense. So I would say, long story short, Itchy, the question uh, answer for me would be uh, Trey having to guard Hunter. And then if it uh, gets dire, maybe you put Hunter, uh, sorry, maybe you put Trey back on DeJounte Murray at some point. All right, a couple more questions to get to on the podcast today. But first, Steph Curry, Kevin Durant, maybe LeBron James or Luka Doncic, Jason Tatum even, Giannis, Nicole Jokic, or maybe local favorite Trey Young. Who is the most valuable NBA player this season? Locked on and been online. Present the NBA Top 50 Most Valuable Players starting on September 19th. That's September 19th. It's very, very close to now. Find it at Locked On NBA, wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube. All right, question coming fast and furious here from Terry, who says, long live DeLon Wright, agreed. Um, who plays his role, though, this season? Once he played more, it seemed like the Hawks were better. So I agree on the sentiment about DeLon. Obviously, I'm a longtime DeLon Wright favorite. I love DeLon Wright. So the Hawks were better, by the way, with DeLon on the floor last year, especially compared to old friend Lou Williams and down the stretch. When he was on the floor in the playoffs, the Hawks were at their best, et cetera. He was really good in that way, in that series, in the way that a lot of guys were not. But as for this year, the, the role is going to be a little bit different. So there isn't a guy who's like plugging into DeLon's role. It's basically occupied by DeJounte Murray with a sprinkling of Aaron Holiday. Um, clearly, DeJounte, much as I love DeLon, DeJounte is a lot better than DeLon Wright. He'll have, a, he'll have a lot bigger offensive role, of course. But DeLon was basically the backup guard defender in some ways and a secondary creator on offense. So when DeLon was playing with Trey, the role for Murray will be similar. Obviously, Murray's role will be bigger, but that's one to note. And then when DeLon was back at point guard, that's kind of the same thing that Murray will be doing. Obviously, more on-ball stuff for Murray than, um, than DeLon. Not perfect at all, but basically, Murray's replacing multiple guys. Like, he's kind of doing the Kevin Herter stuff as a starting shooting guard. Uh, backup one, a lot of those minutes were going to right, but not all of them, of course. He'll be replacing a lot of stuff from Herter, et cetera. 
Um, the other guy who might take some of DeLon's role is Aaron Holiday um, because of like the defense first backup guard small usage role is basically Aaron Holiday in a lot of ways. He's not as big as DeLon, but uh, a very similar playing style in some ways. I think DeLon is better than Aaron Holiday, but like kind of a similar archetype, kind of a, you know, maybe you make some shots for you, not going to run your offense a ton. I think actually DeLon's a better offensive uh, creator than Aaron Holiday. Um, but Anyway, if anything happens to Trey or Murray, he's going to have to play. I mean, I'm, I'm, talking, I'm saying I'm talking about Murray now. I'm sorry about Holiday now, but for the most part, I think to answer the question, like I think Murray is the answer to who plays the most of Delon Wright's role. But it's kind of a combination of Murray and some of Aaron Holiday and some other like sort of hybrid stuff. So interesting question, but uh, I think that that's kind of the answer. Even it's kind of weird to describe uh, Dejounte Murray as replacing Delon Wright because he's kind of doing a lot more things than that. But there you go. Okay, last thing on the podcast today. Again, I mentioned this before. Tower Jones, fan favorite, loves these. Um, 2K ratings. So I got a question from Colton who says, I'm a pretty new listener, and I'm not sure if you talk about these. I'd love to know what you thought about the Hawks 2K ratings. I thought Akongu and Hunter were too low on the list. So I'll say this now. Uh, 2K ratings don't matter. <laughs> uh, so that's 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 funny, but it's just they don't matter at all. Now, it is, it, it's good fodder for discussion. It, it's good September podcast, mailbag kind of stuff. And uh, I'll take this a little bit seriously here on these answers, but I will say this, like there's a lot of bad 2K ratings. I think the Hawks actually are not one of the worst teams. There's lots of always, there's terrible 2K ratings, always. It's been happening forever, as long as it's been a part of the uh, media consciousness, but uh, not awful stuff from the Hawks this year. So at the top is Trey. He has a 90 rating right now. That's like in the top 15 of the league. Um, that's not too low. I saw some Hawks fans saying he should be higher. I, I do understand that, but like, like top 15 is about right for Trey. Like that's not going to bother me too much. Only thing I would say now is that Trey should have a higher rating than Chris Paul. They have the same rating. Uh, Trey, I love Chris Paul. Chris Paul is a Hall of Famer. Uh, Trey is better than Chris Paul, like pretty solidly at this point in time in 2022. So that's the only one that I would have a huge issue with. But Trey is, uh, I would say, appropriately probably rated compared to other guys. Dejounte Murray is an 86. That's like a top 40-ish mark and a tie with a bunch of other, a bunch of other guys. He has the same rating as Anthony Edwards and Pascal Siakam, Brandon Ingram, Chris Middleton, Drew Holiday, etc. That's about right to me. I think Murray's about a top 40 player, so that's about where I'd have him. Maybe a touch higher potentially, but that's kind of a reasonable range for him. Uh, Capella's an 84. Um, that's about a top 55, 60-ish range for Capella. I was a little bit surprised by how high that was, but more so because I think I I think Capella is generally underrated, and I think he's properly rated on this list. Um, top sixty player is about what I think for Capella. He has the same rating as Andrew Wiggins, as De'Aaron Fox, as Evan Mobley, and some other people at this point in time. That seems pretty okay for me for Capella. I know Hawks fans probably have him a little bit lower than this, but that's okay. I think this is right. Uh, Collins is an eighty three, so one spot, one point I should say behind Capella. Top 65 or so for Collins. That's totally fine for him. Same rating as Mikhail Bridges and Jordan Poole, uh, Draymond Green, Jalen Brunson, Desmond Bain, Ben Simmons. That's like, you know, kind of a, sm a smattering of, of what that range looks like. Um, Bogdanovich is an 80. He is between uh, like 105th best player in the league and 90th best player in the league. Top 100 guys about right for Bogey, I think, uh, especially when you account for injuries. I think he's probably a little bit better than this without the injuries, but I, it's totally fine for me. Um, other guys at the 80s at the 80 mark is Harrison Barnes, the other Bogdanovich, Boyan, uh, Gordon Hayward, Norm Powell, Brooke Lopez. That's all about right, I think, is like a really good starter, uh, quality player, not like a game changer necessarily at this point in time. Then there's a drop off. So to the question, a Congo and Hunter were the guys he had a huge problem with. 
they're probably the guys who I think would be the lowest potential in terms of um, ratings for these players. So that is uh, part of the deal when it comes to these rankings. Um, you know, I think that Kong and Hunter are probably underrated at this point on this list, but it's not, I, I understand why. So there's a huge range and like basically then a 76 rating, which is what a Kong and Hunter are is like the top 150 to 200. It's kind of a big swath. I think both guys could be very much ahead of this a year from now. So it might, it might look even lower, obviously, in a year. You can always understand it, though, because Kong has been a backup for most of his career at this point, and Hunter has had the injury stuff and the metric stuff, et cetera. But there are definitely some guys with higher ratings that should be lower than these guys, and we'll see. It's kind of a pivot for both for both guys. After that, it's kind of a smorgasbord in some ways. Um, clearly, you would get into, like, I don't know, uh, Aaron Holiday is a 75. That's too high compared to everybody else. Holiday is not their next best player. I think I think Justin Holiday is better than his brother for sure. Um, you know, sort of litigated after that. But Kaminsky is a seventy-four. Jalen Johnson seventy-three. Chris Silva is a seventy-three. Uh, that's probably a little bit higher for Chris Silva, um, especially when you factor in he's ahead of Justin Holiday. That seems pretty crazy to me. Um, Edge Griffiths is seventy-two as a rookie. That's like you know kind of a rookie a rookie level player. Um, Mohawk was 71, Trent four is 71. And I've not seen a number for Tyrese Martin anywhere just yet. So we'll see on that one, but uh, no real issues. I think I, the only thing I would say is like, uh, you know, I, I could definitely see why Kong Wu and Hunter would be too low on this list. And I think that Justin holiday is underrated, but other than that, I will uh, leave it there. So um, as you've seen, if you're listening or watching this podcast on YouTube, I kind of lost the video feed. I'm still not sure why that happened. So my apologies. We'll get it back at some point for the next show. I promise you, I don't want to stop in the middle of the show. So here we are. Um, but thank you for listening to the podcast. Thank you for supporting the show throughout the month of September. Again, we're like less than two weeks away from training camp. I'll be, uh, wall to wall coverage coming up as always preseason stuff, training camp stuff, uh, regular season stuff, of course, is going to be on the show. But please subscribe to the podcast across platforms. It does a huge favor to us if you listen or download multiple times. That's always it's always appreciated. Subscribe, unsubscribe, and then resubscribe. Please share the podcast with your Hawks fan friends, um, no matter who they are. Um, follow this. Follow us on Twitter as well at Locked On Hawks. Follow me on Twitter at BT Roland, and we'll have more audio content coming up later in the week. Stay tuned, and we'll see you next time.